Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion Winning. is to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role as high fits. Compassion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another banging episode of The Row Show. As always, it's your host Lawrence Britton and with me... It's Jake Green, and we're very excited to be doing our first video interview. We decided to, you know, broaden horizons a little bit and start something new. And, you know, I know the listeners out there are, you know, craving something extra, another dynamic into the Rose Show. So, you know, this is our first foray into it. And I think, Lawrence, we're quite excited to see uh, to see how this works out. I think this is definitely, um, it's definitely an area that we want to expand into. And I think this is our first step, hey? I'm very worried, Jake. I feel underprepared for video. My face was much better suited for radio and your forehead, I can see <laughs> shining brightly there, yeah. I think is uh, going to be quite a, 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 a sight for sore eyes when uh, when the viewers start uh, start gathering around. Yeah, We've got our rowing hall of fame, uh, wall of fame up on behind us, just some rowing paraphernalia, some good pictures of mine uh, up in there so that it's... Looks a little bit like rowing. We've got our Rosho merch on. There we go, represent, baby. That's it. So, yeah, not too bad. Things are going okay. And today, well, first of all, it's our first episode after World Champs. Uh, so we had Regatta Madness. Go listen to that if you haven't. Uh, that's with uh, myself and James Thompson. So we cover we cover the racing and uh, and get into to the, the racing of World Champs. Mm-hmm. Jake? You were racing there. What is uh, what is it like? Yeah, we had uh, some very good racing. I uh, I went across in the men's fall and I got put together with my partner from Olympics last year, Luke Defan, and we got put together with our under twenty three men's pair, uh, Chris Baxter and Damien Bonhaakun, who won the under twenty threes and set a new world's best time. So super super talented young rowers and yeah, very young crew. We got together in the boats after they got back from under twenty three, so we didn't spend the most amount of time and. You know, we just went in there, uh, considering that it's a year before qualifications, just to get a taste of what the world's like. Not not high expectation, you just want to have some really good racing. And we definitely got that. Like, we had really good racing in the heats. We had a cracker semi. We did come out uh, fourth place, but we executed a good race. We had a good plan, and we stuck to it. And unfortunately, we're just not the faster crew on the day. And then a little bit disappointing in the B final. Um, obviously, with the semi like we were definitely going to the B final with the aim on winning it, especially being, you know, the second highest seeded crew into the same um, into the B final. And we ended up fifth there. But, you know, that's how, how racing goes sometimes and <clears throat> some things we can prove on. But overall, very happy with the World Champs. We've got a, you know, young team. Is that still qualification spot? Uh, no, it's just out. Now in the, in the men's sports top eight. So, like, next year we need to be in the top eight to, to qualify. But, like, the most important thing is, you know, our... It was the first, I was the only guy that had been to a World Champs in the whole men's side. Um, myself and Tibeto Masuta in the skull. So no one in the four and our pair had any World Champs experience. So she is too. That's actually yeah. pretty crazy to think about the, the stats like that. Because yeah. you don't think about it like that when, you know, a new cycle. And obviously James and I chatted quite a lot about new teams and, and, thing, and you don't realize that how many new athletes there are mm. at these post um post uh, olympic years did you see we had that stat on that 
I think it was four. That's the most defending champions from Olympics to post Olympic year. So the most so the, the most yeah. at a sec, at a world champs the first year of the the of a cycle defending champions no, from was crazy. have won. No, I thought the, the it was crazy. Like I <coughs> obviously was racing, so um I couldn't I was watching I was watching racing and I race and I was just so blown away. Like every single I thought like the racing just I don't know if it's just me or that's because I'm doing the podcast, but I feel like the racing's getting better. Like uh, as the years progress, I feel like overall the racing is getting more crazy. Oh, I don't know. Twenty nineteen for me was insane. Yeah. The racing was ridiculous. I don't. I don't know if it was. It was really good, and I think the coverage was incredible. So the coverage was great. Uh, Martin Cross was great. The we I think like just being involved in the row show for me has mm. made me pay attention a lot more to rowing. So. I've, I appreciate the racing. I've definitely more on my side, but I think 2019, the racing was a little bit better, but I think that's also because there were B finals that are yeah, so for exciting qualification. for qualifications. So I think yeah. there's that extra element which we're going to get next year, which is really, really epic. Um, but today, Jake, we have <sighs> got Boathouse Banters and we're going into sprint finishes and we're going into what is the best Top sprint five. Top five sprint finishes. And let me in tell you. growing history. It is late. Late in South Africa. Me and Jake have been researching plenty this week and tonight going through. And it's taken us a long time to come up with our top five sprint finishes it's, of all time. It's definitely out of all the episodes we've done. This is the most time we've decided. This is the most time we've taken to get onto the same page. Like the short, just to make it to the short list. Which is not even the top five. Getting onto the shortlist was a mission. We were cutting some big races to make the shortlist. And then once we're on the shortlist. All I know is a lot of <sighs> listeners are going to be upset. They're going to be pissed, Jake. They're going to be yeah. so pissed. Like and you guys are probably thinking out there, like in your head. Okay, I've got a number one race in our head. And it's going to be on <laughs> the, it's not even going to be in the top five. I can Actually, I think you should pause the, pause the uh, episode right now if you're listening. Write down your top five sprint finishes of a race of racing of all all time, hey, eh? World Cups, uh, World Champs, and Olympic Games, and you write them all down, and then uh, you'll see at the end how far off me, uh, me and Jake are. But y'all, I think let's let's just talk about like the before we get into the the cruise and stuff. Let's just have a chat about sprinting in general, and um, like that we can go into a bit of psychology, but also like. You know, it's it's a huge part of the race. And obviously, I think as a crew, you never wanted to come down to a sprint at the end of the race. But like, it's something that I don't think you can necessarily train yourself for. It's it's in my mind, it's one of those things like it's the almost the X factor here, Lawrence. Like it's... So, I don't know. So like for me, the best race as an athlete is when you come out the blocks, you you get a length out the blocks, you're strong, you have you execute the best race and you dominate your oppos- your opposition and you win the race. I wouldn't say comfortably, but you like you have to put yourself out there, but you win. Mm. That's like a great feeling. The next best feeling for me is when it is absolutely neck and neck and you're coming to the finish line and you're laying it all out there to to take the win and you get the win. I think that's like it's a more rewarding finish, but obviously it's a harder race. So that's why I put them like that for me. Cause obviously I like, I want to win more than anything else. And I want to win easier if I could, but winning tight is more definitely more rewarding. 
Mm. And we like, I don't know. I like that feeling of, and there's been a few times when, when I've had this in my racing, like when you're coming into the, the end of the race and there's at, like the sprint for the finish line becomes all consuming. And there's like, there's becomes nothing else in the world besides your strokes and their strokes and who can kind of put the boats up and who can get that like little inch up. And like, you looking across and sometimes you think, cool, if I just head in the boat, 10 of the biggest strokes of my life, I'm going to be up. And you look across. you're down. <laughs> or you're down or nothing's changed or you just level and you know that they've put in another big 10 big and you have to go and do the same. And I think that's when the, the sprint racing becomes so outrageous. Also, I like the effect that you can have on the boat. And I know Olaf uh, touched on it a lot when we chatted with him way back about like shocking the boat, about you can actually mm. take race pace and like the middle thousand speed and you can completely change the boat speed and change the way the boat feels in a sprint, which is also very, from a technical point of view, is a very cool um, element of rowing and, and what rowing feels like when you, you're getting it right. But it is like, I think about it technically, like obviously I don't think anyone's thinking technical shit in the last 50 years, especially when they're sprinting for their lives. But it is a different, it is a different rowing stroke compared to your middle thousand like in my head you're looking for objective boat speed at all costs and like i think that does change the yes but i think good rowing if you are good if you are technically good at rowing you are it allows you to step and sprint yeah. and it also allows you not to make massive mistakes yeah when you're in the sprint and that's yeah i mean like some of these races we're going to talk about there are some mistakes in there that that you know feature in the racing and is part of the story on, on some of the crews that <laughs> going to win. Um, yeah, so let's get going. Let's I think, get Jake. going. I mean, oh, I just, the sprinting is hectic and yeah. this list is, I think already this list is going to upset me. That's how, that's how tight yeah, it I, is and how hard it was to choose five. I felt like we could have done 10 yeah, easily and we would have like, I think if we'd done 10, we would have fitted these the races in and we would have been like, okay, no, if, uh, because we still have them on the list, but cutting it to five was so, so hard. It was really so hard. And sorry, I just want to say one other thing, like just a bit of the, the methodology, the, we definitely gave, um, uh, extra points to Olympic finals, no doubt. Sprinting on the most important race of your life and Olympic final is definitely up there. And I think, I feel like you're really trying to explain your choices and, is it no one's going to give a it? shit, we, dude. Okay, we're going straight in. We're number going five. straight in. Number five. Belarus. Uh, Katarina Karsten winning her 2000 Sydney Olympic final in the women's single skulls. Yeah, I mean... That kicks it off. And I think... I don't know how people are going to listen to the show without watching the, the racing, so I think it's definitely worth pausing, going and watching those these sprint races, going and watching the last 500 meters of some of these races... Uh, we'll do our best to to fill you in and give you some of the the kind of showdown that is coming into the line, but it's is something really special. All of these races, I think, are incredible to watch. So looking at the notes, uh, so this is our fifth place, uh, Women's Skull two thousand Sydney, and this is the closest finish by far in rowing his history. Hey, yeah, I think this is the closest rowing. If you guys think Mahe Drysdale and Damian Martin was close, it took these guys 30 minutes after the race had finished in an Olympic final to decide who the winner was. 
And I honestly, you watch the fu- you watch the finish, and you think um, Romania Nekova from Bulgaria won the race, and it wasn't. Katrina Karsten came out on top, and I don't even know how they could separate it. And it's like it's two time. big rivals, so it's it's two huge rivals in uh, in that woman's skull. You know, they had lots and lots of races against each other. They crossed the finish line. I don't know if the camera is in the wrong place or what's happening there, but. Definitely on the video, uh, Carsten is not winning this race. Jake. No, <laughs> if you guys can see the the, sh- the the line they draw on the camera is like this. Then the watermark on the line is like is like this. And how? What do you think if someone's listening to this on the podcast? What do they think? Oh, don't worry. This they, and this, they can do. They use their mind's eye. They can <laughs> put a picture. Anyway, it wasn't straight. Whatever they were using, it wasn't straight. And you that know just what? reminds me of um, the two thousand four. Um, men's four when they cru- <laughs> when Lawrence is starting to bring in crews that not even on the short list <laughs> when they when they cross the the finish they coming up to the finish line they cross the finish line and then they don't uh, it's only a television line it's only a guide and yeah. I think that is a reference directly to this race where it's not the television line is not the finish line no, it's and, not. Uh, and it doesn't look straight, but it looks, Im- it's incredible sprint finish. It is just incredible sprint finish. And like Ekaterina, she races the whole race down um, on the, on the Bulgarian and literally having like the, you know, the willpower to stay in the race. She just sits like just off uh, clear water on the, on the Bulgarian, literally the whole way down the track and then puts in a huge last 250 and I reckon she was the winner of that race for less than, I don't know how they divided it. She's not up, she's not she's up, not up at any point of the race, but she wins. How? So, yeah, it is closer than, than Mahi and... Um, no doubt. Yeah, Makes Mahi drives down and thing look like a, an open water <laughs> finish in comparison. Yeah. So that's our, our number five. Number four. Oh, we had to keep it close to home. So... Close to home, we have to. So there was some. There's been some really good South African sprinters uh, over the the time. We got old Don and Ramon over here. Every time they race, the commentators say they come with a late rattle at the end because they were very good at uh, you know biding their time, resting out the start. You know, I think Ramon was all for adding the the spice at the the end of the race. So um, they were very good at sprinting. Uh, John and James in the lightweight men's double. Incredible sprinting in Amsterdam in 2014. You know, they came from semi-final. They have to sprint absolutely flat out against the Muda Twins in the Dutch boat to take the the, the, the third spot in the semi-final mm. to get into the, the A-final. And then in the final, they have a massive, massive sprint against the French um, to, to take the uh, world record and the win. So the South Africans have got uh, a bit of sprinting in them. And... Mm. Yeah, number four, we have the South African men's four winning the gold medal in the lightweight men's four in London 2012. And exceptionally tight race. Like, there are going to be there are two races on this list where it's really, really tight at the end. And it was literally four crews going toe-to-toe in the end. Like, last 250 meters, our boys are in fourth place. But it's literally like half a boat length between fourth and first. And... Yeah, I mean, just a huge victory, a massive win for South African rowing. I mean, it's a it's a huge underdog win for the you know the South African men's four going into that. And again, you know, look at the people that they're racing against. I mean, the Danish lighty men's four is like a household name in that event. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's an incredible sprint race. And, you know, going through the 1,000-meter mark, the South Africans were always biding their times, getting comfortable, holding the length, getting to the 1,500-meter uh, mark. They actually have already started moving back. So, like, for me, when I'm watching the race, I could see the South Africans are already coming back into that into the mix. You know, they're not even – they're not quite clear watered down at the 1,500. And they, they had a fast sprint their whole um, kind of – season and their whole cycle the south africans were better in the sprint than anywhere else in the race so i knew when i was watching on the grandstand i was like these guys are closer than they've been their whole cycle i think that they can uh, take the win here at the the end of the race and coming across the last hundred meters is absolutely ridiculous ridiculous i mean we have steering issues yeah the south africans are, are in on into going across the lanes i could see the stroke stroke blades are not even uh, they're going right across the boys. So yeah, so it's it's quite incredible to to watch that race. Also for us, you know, it's South Africa's first ever Olympic gold medal, so that by itself is incredible. We got Sizwe and Lovu, first uh, black rower to win an Olympic gold medal. So mm. really, really impressive from him, and he was absolutely crucial in that boat. I mean, he was the way he rose. The way he can change speed, because I've rode with him quite a bit. So I rode in uh, 2015. We tried to qualify the four uh, with him. He tried to do a little stint as a heavyweight. Um, but the way he can kind of change speed and move with the boat and like really shock the boat and, and get that rate up is something special and really, really awesome mm. to be in the boat with him. So I can just imagine he's at the peak of it. I mean, he was definitely the strongest he's ever been, I think, around London. Uh, all of those guys were ridiculous on the on the ergo and the rowing machine building up to to London. So yeah, it was just cool to watch, and I think that they definitely earned their their, their place on the and on the on this race. And just a bit more insight, like in the underdog win, they they raced the year before the B final at the you know 2011 World Champs, that B final race, and this is why we say you know the B finals in the qualification years are oftentimes more exciting than A finals. At that race of itself was ridiculously tight to to win it. I mean, at one point in the race, every crew was leading, and at one cr point in the race, every single crew was coming last. Yeah, every single crew had a turn at the front, at the back. It's a it was probably the most nerve wracking race I've ever watched. Mm. I felt more confident watching them race the Olympic Games final than watching them race that uh, qualification year because it was so close, and I think that's. But that's more of like a good race, though. I don't feel like that counts as like a, a sprint finish. Mm. Um, where here we like more looking at change of speed and people coming from further down to like upset the boat, uh, the 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 kind of uh, the yeah. field throughout the race. And uh, maybe it's a little bit of bias us putting us to their number fourth, but you know what? All these races that we were talking about at the moment are some of the most ridiculous races of all time. And in the number three spot, talking about one of the most ridiculous races of all time. <laughs> what you got there, Jake? French. France. Yes, the, the men's pair. pair from 2000. I mean, everyone knows this race. It's, it's probably like when everyone talks about a rowing race to go watch, this is probably the, the one at the top of the list. Yeah. I mean, Jean-Christophe Roland, head of FISA now. It's... I think it is. It's definitely the the race that gets mentioned the most on our question of who, uh, if you go had to watch one rowing race, uh, or if you uh, which is the rowing race you've watched the most. People always bring up the men's pair from two thousand, and the sprint 
from the French is outrageous. I feel like they were not the favorites coming into mm-hmm. win the, the race. They were not um, kind of earmarked as the... I, I mean, I know that they had a big sprint and this was kind of their tactic along their whole um, racing yeah. career, but they, the British were definitely the favorites going into the final. And the British are looking comfy. They're sitting up there. They got their clear water. They're moving away. Everything looks dandy. And then the French come and put a whole pile of salt onto this race. And yeah, I mean... And in starting, like we're talking about sprinting, I think this is the earliest someone sprinted and then gone on to win. Like they rode, to give you a perspective... With yeah, the, give us some with of the, the numbers, yeah. 137.46, first 500, down. Second 500, 141.14. It's a huge fade. It's four seconds nearly. Four seconds fade, going through the 1,000, down. And then third 500, 137.06. They're going half a second faster than their first 500 in the third 500. And that takes them from about two and a half seconds down, about like a yeah. clear water margin. 2.7. Clear water down. margin down to clear water margin up at the yeah. at the 500 meters to go. And literally the last 500 meters, you can tell that they, they're good for another 250 meters. And then the last 250 meters, they start hurting big time. And the field comes back on them. But they literally just, they do enough to literally get through the line. And I reckon if we had a split between the 1250 and the, and the 750 meter to go, it would have been outrageous. Must yeah, I think that the, the fastest part of the race is at 700 meters, 750, 700 meters to go to like 250 meters uh, left. I think they are going way, way quicker than at that point of the race. Because mm. I think going through the 1,000, they're still not, they're still on that 141 pace. And I think at the end of the race, they, they're really running out of gears. So I think that middle of their sprint there, I think they were low 136s, possibly even into the 135s yeah. for a little bit. And I mean, what a race, like to cement themselves as legends in the sport. Um, and that's just taking up uh, into our, our top two now. Jeez, dude, I can't believe we got a lot of races to fit into two races, Jake. Yeah, I know, but this one is very recent. We saw this race happen last year at the Tokyo Olympics, and this is none other than a, an event that we've spoken about a lot on the podcast, my favorite and gladiator event of all drawing, and it's the lightweight women's double skull final from the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. It's dude. uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna rewatch any of the races on the on this from what uh, from the races we're chatting about, I would maybe suggest to skip this one. It is brutal to watch. <laughs> oh, it I is have to look brutal. away at the yeah. end, Jake. Yeah, I mean, we've got a little screenshot here on the screen, and this itself it, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, it's it is a it's a real dogfight, and like if anyone has been watching rowing and a rowing fan, you know what the lightweight double was like in that last cycle, and it like. I think it, 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 that race is a perfect race to finish off a whole cycle of ridiculously tight racing. and um, Yeah, because I feel like it's been the Gladiator event, but it's yeah. especially the 2016 cycle, I mean 2021 cycle, was yeah. the pinnacle of their, like, the competitiveness of this field. Like There were so many huge athletes involved. There were so many good races to pick from. And I think that, I mean, the Dutch were definitely the favorites going in. 100%. I mean, they said they were the, the world's best time. Um, said it earlier before this race. They were the, the favorites going in, and they had the I think perfect almost, race. They almost had, the had perfect race. Almost clear water at 500 meters to go. 
Jake, they rode the perfect race from the start line to the 1990th meter. Yeah. But maybe the 80, maybe the, the last pressure, 20 meters. The pressure. Like this is something <coughs> this is something that that you can see where pressure matters and your ability to handle yourself under pressure matters the most. And like Italy that come away with the win, I think they it, Italian rows have always got really strong sprint finishes like they're right up there with the best. But I do feel they won this race because of their ability to handle some han- handle themselves under pressure, especially in the last 300 meters. Because they, if you watch Italy and you kind of like the Dutch were up the whole time, but the, cr- the the pack was slowly closing on the 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 Dutch. The Italian double sprints at the perfect time, and I think if they timed it a little bit later or a little bit but sooner, they wouldn't have made. But it. at like 400 meters to go, the Dutch have half a length of clear water, and then the other, the rest of the field is boxing really close to, you know, that half length. Then the other three coming in, and it looks comfy. Like they should have won that race. Like mm. they should have just held on, bid their time, and then and then done the business. And last hundred meters, hold it together. But I feel like the Italians also spice things up because they get the sniff, mm. and you can see them start to go. They're like they pushing, pushing, and they're lifting, lifting, and then the other crews are trying to respond. Like it's a race to. It's actually more of a race of who's not gonna who's gonna make the podium. Yeah, who's it, it going, is true. It is who's rowing at the back. Who's rowing off um off to the 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 the. the but it was jetty. it was a second. It was one second between first and fifth. That's what separated these crews. And like we were talking about the Dutch double. The Dutch double caught a crab going into the last fifty meters. Last and I do ten meters. Last Jake. ten meters, right at the end. I think you know what it was. It's like it's one of those things where they say. You got to stay internal in your boat. You cannot worry too much what other crews are doing. I felt like they started worrying a little bit too much about what the other crews are doing, and then you know the mistake came. That's why we're saying it's painful to watch. Though it is painful to watch. That's why see, it's uncomfortable. Oh, you can see, and also like our heart goes out to them. I mean, they've been on our show, both of them, Marika and Ilza, and incredible athletes. Great, great uh, conversation we had, and then to watch them. Oh. Just and they almost missed the medals. They are so close to coming fourth in that race. So I feel like it was a tough one to swallow, not getting the gold. But they bloody lucky to get the bronze. But I mean, what a race! Like, I don't know. Like, definitely for me, the race. I mean, obviously the race from the Tokyo Olympics. But that's a big one, eh? But, but no. But Jake, I'm not finished with this though. So, what do you think is better to hold off? Like, what do you think feels better to be in the lead and hold off a sprint, or to sprint through and like if to come I from behind and to win? Coming from behind, and winning. <clears throat> you think that feels better, or you think that's more impressive? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's a it's a question of being impressive or not. Like, I think what what everyone doing here is like, you know, I don't think it's being impressive. It's feels. No, good. I mean, feels better. It does. Yeah. It does. Gripping the gold. The Italians had no idea they won that race until the announcers showed it to them on the gold at later. Shit, dude. It's outrageous. But here's the controversial part. Honorable <laughs> mentions. Oh, we're not going. We're not going straight to, to first no, place. We're not, not going straight to first place. And you guys are probably thinking like, mm, they're not talking about Mahe and Damia. They're missing that. What about... You know, what about Ov, Ov, Olof Tufta? What about the... Okay, so let's just rattle some of them off. Okay, so I think the first huge one is 
the British and Canadian race from 2004. Oh, yes, the men's four. That's I feel like one. the only reason that this is not on the list is because it's actually just a better... The, the overall race is better. It's not actually about the sprint at the end. Uh, even though the sprint is ridiculous, mm. and both crews are going all the way to Valhalla and back to, to get the, the race. The race is between two crews from start to finish, and I feel like that's... It's not about the, the sprint at the end. Mm. Although, fuck, I'm I mean, like, really making a mistake, Jake. No, 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 no. It's, they're not making a mistake. They And also, they're not supposed to be on the honorable mention list. Lawrence, <coughs> Lawrence can't help himself. I but can't yes, help myself. We've already spoken about them. We've already spoken about John and James and Lightweight Double from 2014 in Amsterdam. I mean, again, what a flipping brilliant race. Uh, another one here is old Olof Tufter in the men's single skulls in 2004 in Athens. Yeah. Shocking the boats. You know, he was down to Yuri Jansen at the 1500 meter comes away with just a dominant performance in the last 50 and takes I, the boats. I feel, I feel like Olaf is probably the best sprinter out of everyone that we're speaking about. Like the best. He can turn the boat speed the most. I don't know. For sure. No, I feel no, like he's done no, it so no. many times. He was like, he was like the person that you counted on. Jack, I, I mean, think he was the person that you counted on. You were like, no, we, if, if you put Olaf against anyone else in a sprint on his peak day, he's going to win. So I feel like so some bold claims coming. But out I of feel you, like bro. he's not going to. He's not. He doesn't have a single like individual race that puts him on the list. That's why he's not on the list. Yeah. Okay. That's my point. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I, I and you have Ever Swindell's two thousand eight in the women's, women's double. double. Ridiculous. Go watch that race. It is outrageous. They are so brutal. You could just see the Dick Tonks training coming through the their 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 race at the end and and the way they take the the win is yeah, I, outrageous i also think like a crew you know it's it's a crew that's got a lot of pressure on them to win which i think they did have that pressure and then not being in the dominant position and like reeling back that german double and taking the win again comes down to the sprint right at the end absolutely right, insane right to the end and Oh, yeah, I mean that was that was pretty good. And just to show that we've done our research and we've looked back, we've gone over races. Another honorable mention is USA Lighty Men's Double 1990 World yes. Champs Final. Yes, again, overturned a massive deficit to win, and they caught a crab. They lost a blade or something out the blocks. They had to stop rowing. It was a massive headwind, very, very unpleasant. Clear water down the whole race, even going to the last 500 meters, and then. I don't know. They pull something. They pull the rabbit out the hat. The commentator doesn't even think they win the race. Only like minutes after they finish race, the commentator start thinking that the USA <laughs> won. But again, coming from an absolute blinder, come back to to win the race. No, it's uh, it's so impressive. It's actually it's such a cool one to to watch. Moving on, another really really good one is USA Women's Eight 2014. Egubelet and a World Cup. Our only World Cup on the list, hey Jake. Only World Cup on the list, and I think it's yeah. It maybe not like there might have been like closer sprint finishes, but like if you know what the women's eight, what the USA women's eight were were capable of, um, and like the pressure they got put under that race from the Canadian women's eight, and also the fact that at this World Cup. They all raced two hours earlier in the women's pair final. Yeah, so the whole women's the whole eight doubled women's up. eight doubles up in the women's eight final where they got the silver, the bronze, fourth, and, and sixth. sixth place. But having oh. a single country having 
four crews in one a final. I don't know that I that I can't think of another time that that's happened. Yeah. Um, and then they go into the women's aid race. They're probably under a bit of pressure, like coming out the blocks. They clear water down at the one k. By the five hundred meters to go, they maybe made made up like two women. They just have contact with five hundred meters to go, and then you just see this resurgence of note coming into the last three hundred meters. So and it was clear water at the one k in an eight, Jake. But it's for me. It was like if you sh- when you see the video of the USA Women's Aid, it is like an unstoppable force coming down the track. You cannot stop them. Literally, they took that race from everyone else in the last 100 meters. And, and it was ridiculous. And then on a side note, another ridiculous stat from this regatta. So USA double up in the, eight, in the, in the pairs. They have four pairs. Their whole eight making the A final, which for me is already just mind-blowing. And the fact that they fit in four pairs that don't race at World Champs and Heather standing in Helen Glover still win mm. just shows you how much better they were than the other pairs um, over that, uh, that cycle. And here we go. Another big one. And probably like, yeah, in terms of like turning speed, this is probably second on the whole of all the people we're speaking to except for the winners in terms of turning speed. Don't give anything away. Uh, don't worry, Jake, I haven't dudes. given anything away. Yeah. I, haven't given in, I haven't. I've just given a bit of the, you know, just a, uh, an idea. We have the Italian men's pair from 2017 Sarasota World Champs coming from behind, rowing a 130 last 500, a faster last 500 than the Aussie men's four in that same event who went to win the gold in the men's four. They rode a faster 500 than them. Wait, say, say that again. So the Italians row a faster last 500 in the pair yes. than the Aussies do in... The, in the four, yes, and they uh, the Aussies become world champions in the four. Yes, you're correct. That's ridiculous. That. And they, you it know, it's kind of opposite tactics, though. Opposite tactics, but I mean tactics. But you know, like uh, I think Vincino and Lotto have made them a, a reputation for being outrageous sprinters, and they they down the whole way down. Croatia are looking dominant going into the fir- uh, last 500. His first year for the. Croatians in the pair. I think that's also what makes this race crazy is that the, the Croatians already have like a good legacy of like being really fast in the double and in any boat that they row in because they've come from the quad. Then they go into the pair. They have a pretty decent, yeah, like they're not slow at all. Then they come into this race and they do something ridiculous in the third 500 because they're yeah. second to New Zealand at the 1K. And they put in a huge effort in the third 500 to go almost clear water. New Zealand hold on a little bit, mm. but they got one length full on the, on the Italians going into the last 500. Yeah, what the, what the Italians did there was mind-blowing. Also, side note, we've been talking about what the, the Cox pair did in that same World Champs. Uh, we're talking about Olympic events here, but if <laughs> I ever mention a non-Olympic event on this list, it's got the Godby... Yeah, but that 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 was from when their Cox Bay was in the Olympics. Oh, okay. this is from when they were not. Okay. The Hungarians at the same World Cup also huge huge overturn. But the actual Cox Bay on the honorable mention list, Greg it's Searle and Johnny Searle from 1992 racing the Abagnale brothers from Italy in the men's Cox Bay Olympic final overturns a massive deficit. <laughs> Massive. My favorite is so Jake uh, <laughs> did the first piece of the notes and he he wrote all the notes out and then literally every single <laughs> every single race was the 
whatever country, whatever event, overturns a massive deficit to win, which was fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, out of massive <laughs> deficits, this is the biggest. Yeah, okay, this is the biggest. This is the margin. biggest margin. There were like three boat links down on the other Gnali Black. Yeah, players. I mean, literally, at uh, guys, go watch. All the links are in the description uh, below. Go look at. Go look it up. The the you can't. The Italians are nearly out of the shot. In the, How did at we the not put these guys in the top five, dude? What, Jake? You you made this list. Oh, I'm gonna geez. put it on you. You made a mistake. No, we didn't. We didn't. The it's so old. This Cox pair as well. Dude, They're going matter, slowly, dude. dude. dude That's seen, why. Did you see what they did in that final. Yeah, and uh, Greg saw some really cool polar uh, comments. So he's like, uh, if uh, the, co the his main comment, which is the title of his book, if not now, when? If not you, who? And I think, you know, he's racing with his brother in the boat as well. So that's what, the, that's what uh, their cock says to them. Yeah, so I think that's a bit of uh, just giving them that little bit of juice to to go for oh. it. Also, I think that they probably do it in the best style as well because they, like, break the Italians. Yo. So they're sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. As they get level, you could just see all the speed evaporate from the Italian boats. It's literally two strokes to go. In the last two strokes... The British probably put like a half a length in. Yeah, that was massive. Um, and then as well, at the celebrations at the end as well, Greg Soul's going hilarious. mental. Yeah, it's very funny. But anyway. Number one. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know who we haven't even spoke about? Mahe Drasdal and Damian Martin. <laughs> yeah. We, we honorable mention. They are honorable mention, <laughs> but... <laughs> they can't go in though because we have a close sprint finish. No man, I'm saying they get the honorable mention. I'm not saying they're in the I top know, five. But, but yes, saying they do get an honorable They mention. get the honorable mention, but they're not going into the top five because there's a close yes. sprint finish between the um Ekaterina Costa yeah. and uh, uh, uh yeah. But anyway, number one and this is probably the one thing that we probably agreed on the most was the person in number one. Yeah. So if you're listening do you know who it is? We've only missed one race now. There's no way any any race. We've touched on all of them. Oh. The big ones. That's a bold claim on your <laughs> on your that's that was him. It wasn't me that said that. <laughs> so who do you think what we're gonna we're gonna pull out the bag now? The one, the only biggest sprint of all time, New Zealand men's double twenty twelve London Olympic Games A final. Outrageous. They overturn Go, a massive yeah. deficit. <laughs> they overturn a massive deficit. They do overturn a massive deficit. They're racing against absolute legends. Italians, um, Slovenians, Istok Chop is there, and yeah. just ridiculous racing, and they look like shit for the first K. Yo, they are behind. Man, I don't know are, what happened. And uh, honestly, I... <laughs> I don't know. It kind of honestly, obviously, this is not what they did, but it almost seems like they gave everyone a stagger. Yeah, it was like, like they wanted to give people a stagger to see how impressive they could be in the last five hundred meters. I don't know. I think that I think, and I think we've seen a lot of it lately. Actually, like the mental effort that is need, like the mental kind of ebb and flow of racing. You know, if you moving up on people, you're feeling good. You're able to push harder when people are rowing through you and you down that mental edge goes the complete other way. I mean, I <coughs> sorry guys, I haven't got a cold. That's why I'm coughing up, but I'll try and edit the, the coughs out, but I'm sure I won't get all of them. Don't worry about that. But the 
like when you're getting beaten and people are moving on you that like the mental games that your brain is telling your body is sometimes so depressing i think you know i remember in our olympic game final thinking don't worry if we come uh six your, my, your my mother still be proud of you. my mother will still love me uh, if we come six in the Olympic final, actually it was Sean who said that, but it it really does feel like that when you when you race and uh, and yeah and things are not going well. So I just think that's what it is. It's a classic case of good start, slipping back. Those the mental demons, the the dark days of rowing, kind of taking over a little bit. But to to finally be like come out of that and have the mental shift to be like no. We're better than this. Yeah. We've got it in the bag. Lay it out there. And then to come with the mother of all sprints. Yeah, literally they they start going. It seems like they start going about 600, 650 meters to go. And you can see them going through the last 500. They're like four, three, four pips higher than everyone else. And they just keep going. They go for the next 250. They go through the 250 line sprinting. Like they should be sprinting at the 100 meters to go. Yeah. No, they it's go outrageous. They go through into the red boys going ballistic. So the splits for the race, 135, five-second fade to the second 500 of 140, another second fade to the third 500, and 141. Then, uh, okay, it's not quite, um, it's 133.9. So it's seven-second. Seven-second. Crank. Last 500, that is ridiculous. That's the biggest turn of speed we've got out of the whole list. And that's, that's coupled why with one. the race, like the, the actually watching what they did, and that turn of speed is why they're number one on this list. Doing it at an Olympic final. And like they rip it from the Italian... Well, we've been talking quite badly about people winning silver medals, but just what they do in that last 500 meters is outrageous. No, it's... Oh, but all these races, though, Jake, I mean, it's so hard, and I'm sure people are losing their minds. I hope someone's swearing at us through the, the radio. We can't hear you guys. Uh, your complaints are falling on deaf ears. We've made our list. We're sticking to it, but let us know. We want to hear what you think. Who did we miss? Mm. Who else needs to be there? I know there's a Cox pair from back in the day, Greg Saw. We were chatting about it. Yeah, he mentioned that. <coughs> But you can't. We've done. We've done honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Yeah, done. but I'm just saying that like there's so many races, but I do believe these are the best five sprints of all time. Yeah. So running it through one more time. Fifth place, Ekaterina Carson racing for Belarus in the women's single skull final 2000 Olympics. Fourth place, South African Lighty Men's Four 2012 London Olympic A final. Pla third place, the almighty and powerful French men's pair racing from way back to win the 2000 Olympic final on the men's pair. Second place, Italy women's lightweight double uh, taking the win at the Tokyo 2021 Olympic Games. And in number one. Yeah, go for it. New Zealand men's double 2012 Olympic A final. Legends of the sport. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, the, that's the least controversial pick of this whole list is their number one spot. Shit, Jake. That was a roller coaster. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, we're not sure exactly how it worked. You know, we got a lot of video that we, we're talking about, so that might not translate to audio that well. But we want to try and get our boathouse banters rolling and our discussions about rowing and get our episodes back up onto 
uh, we're going to try and do some weekly edits and weekly weekly posts for you because we know everyone's been crying out for some more rowing content and now the time is right post world champs everyone is thinking about these the races and the athletes and yeah i think you guys i hope you enjoyed the show awesome and obviously huge shout out to <coughs> huge shout out to our patreons out there you guys are absolute legends the lifeblood of the of the podcast and the support's always been overwhelming and we're really excited to see some new new Patreon sign up. Um, all our listeners are, you know, it's it means a lot for us. It's how the podcast keeps growing and yeah, give it a share, tell someone else about it and also, of course, get in contact with us, uh, especially if you disagree with what we've just said. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic and uh, stay tuned. We've got lots of content Good coming. to have you back, Jake. Back in the flesh, baby. That's how we roll. That's it, guys. Cheers. We're out. We're out.